when a character is vocal about what they need in the bedroom, I'm like, yes, that right there. Because I feel like so many women don't inherently know that, hey, it's okay for you to speak up for yourself about what you want and what you need um, in the bedroom. And that you know, sex is still a really uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. And I love that romance has an opportunity to help bridge that gap and make it a more comfortable topic. Welcome to Steam Scenes and hello from a rainy Saturday in New England as I record this. I'm El Greco, host and contemporary romance author. On today's episode, Kelly Olert joins me to talk about her debut rom-com, To Get to the Other Side, and writing the naughty bits. It's a great conversation filled with lots of talk about sexual freedom and independence, and y'all know I was there for it. I hope you enjoy the interview. Kelly Olert is an adult fiction author with a focus on romantic comedy. Her debut novel, To Get to the Other Side, comes out December 6, 2022 with Alcove Press. She's a lifelong avid reader of all genres and as a busy mom, has an enthusiastic appreciation for audiobooks and multitasking. Kelly grew up in the Chicago area, but moved to attend Western Michigan University. She hung around Michigan, hopping from city to city. Her meet cute involved borrowing that hot guy's baseball cap, and it's been love ever since. She, her husband, the aforementioned ball cap owner, and their two young daughters reside in the Lansing area with their menagerie of five fur babies. Aside from the obvious reading and writing, Kelly's hobbies include belting out show tunes, game nights, losing her cell phone with alarming frequency, me too, and getting outside to enjoy nature. If you meet her approach with caution, she works from home and in her cabin fevered state, has been known to pounce on unsuspecting strangers to leech them of an ounce of adult conversation. Welcome to Steam Scenes, Kelly. We are having very adult conversation today, and it's really great to have you here. Thank you so much. So, um, what I, I'm kind of curious. So, what, okay, do you have a day job? We don't have to say what it is. I'm just kind of curious. Yes, I do. I am an implementation consultant for a tech company. I have no idea what that means. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm always curious if like the writing part, like if that, if like writing has anything to do with your day job. So not in the slightest. No. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like it's, it doesn't. So I'm curious, when did you, when did the writing thing happen? Like when did you realize, oh, I want to do this? So I wouldn't say for me that there's been one single moment where it was like, yes, this is it. And from then on, I was writing. I mean, when I was a kid, I always liked to write stories in my free time. Um, It was just something fun that I did. But I don't know that I really thought, yes, I'm going to be an author. That's what I want to do. And then in college, I would always get comments from my professors that, hey, your writing is really good. And um, you should, you know, maybe consider that. but I, I didn't really start taking it too seriously. Around 2011, um, I was thinking about giving it a go, and I got about halfway through writing. It was actually a middle grade or maybe YA fantasy um, that I never ended up finishing. Um, and then I stepped back from it for a few years, and then I started reading romances, and something kind of clicked into place. I was like, oh, yes, this is what fits my voice. That's the piece that was missing before. Mm. And so I started writing one. Um, after I had read a few more and um, had a, a better sense for the genre. And it just kind of 
has taken off from there. So I've been taking it seriously since probably like 2017. Okay. I'm curious, what kind of clicked into place for you? Like what, well, what, what clicked into you in 2011 that made you say, Oh, I think I want to write this fantasy, this YA fantasy. Um, I, I think it was, so when I started writing the fantasy, it was kind of boredom and needing a break from wedding planning, um, to do some other things. And so I tried doing that and I just, I got halfway through it and I hadn't really, at that point it was still more of a hobby to me and I wasn't like researching craft or anything like that. So when I got, got stuck, I didn't know how to fix it because I wasn't, you know, set on doing this as maybe a potential future career. Um, And then, you know, when my mom recommended a Sophie Kinsella book to me, I read it and I actually don't remember which one it was because I loved it so much (laughs) that I immediately read her entire catalog. So I read like 20 of her books back to back to back. So I don't remember which one was the first one. And then once I ran out of those, I was like, okay, I have to find more. I have to find more rom-coms. And so then I read The Hating Game by Sally Thorne and The Kiss Quotient um, and some others and, and have just branched out from there. The Roomies by Christina Lauren and, and kind of branched out. And I just, I felt like that style really worked well with what I had been trying to do before. Um, and the more adult voice that I was able to take at that point, because I am an adult. (laughs) And so, um, it, it just, it just flowed better for me than what I've been trying to work before. And, and I went from there. And 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 then so you so because you found romance in 2017, that's when you started taking it seriously. What was that shift that you said? Oh, you know what? I think this could be a thing that I do. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I I joined Twitter. And, <laughs> I'm so um, sorry. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is a hellscape, but there are also some really cool people out yeah, there. Yeah, and um, I had, and that's kind of how I met the writing community. And I guess it kind of tore down that wall to where authors weren't just this um, mysterious creature that was totally inaccessible. Um, Twitter brought about a level of accessibility to authors that I hadn't had before. And, um, I could see them tweeting about their process and things like that. Found things like pitch wars where you could get a mentor. I didn't, I entered it. Um, but I, I was not accepted into pitch wars, but through that, I met a whole community of other writers, joined some, um, other groups to speak with other writers. And we, began critiquing each other's work and um it it just made it something suddenly that was achievable versus just a total pipe dream oh that's so cool and you found all of this this community on twitter yeah i would say the biggest thing was i don't know how i came across pitch wars originally um I think I was just maybe like searching for writing contests or something like that. And I came across it and was like, Oh, a mentorship. That's, that's what I need. Um, because I was still so new to it and there were so many people submitting to it and just like anxious over the wait period that one day I tweeted, Hey, does anybody else want to be in a, um, 
DM group where we can just commiserate about this weight. And a whole bunch of people replied and it pared down. So we started with maybe like 20 people and it reduced, I think there's seven of us in it now who years later, I think it's two years since, since we started this group, maybe it's coming up on three. Um, and all of us are in there every day chatting and following each other's process. And three of us now have book deals. Several wow. others have agents. Um, and it's just been a really fun journey. And I'm just so grateful to have the support of them and other groups that I've joined since. That's so cool. Um, I had no idea that that kind of happened, you know, because I always wonder how you know, writers would find each other, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like there's like, and they're like, well, I have my 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 writing group and we get together and we write together on zoom or we do that and i'm like how do you find all these people <laughs> literally just by tweeting i need people that's that's all i did and the people came <laughs> that's really kind of great um what was i guess what was the most surprising thing you learned through this process um i would say uh, that i so you have to take everybody's advice with a grain of salt because, you know, not something that works for everybody will work for you. Um, but it came as a shock to me when I realized that like I don't have to have an entire hour, an entire two hours to be able to dedicate to my writing to make good progress. So when I shifted from writing for only when I could sit down at an, for an hour at a time to anytime I had 15 minutes, I would just try to get a paragraph or two down. Um, I realized that I could get a lot done that way. And um, I wrote the second half of my draft that I was working on in like a, fo- a quarter of the time as the first half of that draft. So that really kind of revolutionized things for me and made this much more attainable while also having a full-time job and also being a mom. Wow. Okay. I'm fascinated by this because I am like, if I don't have that two hours or whatever, like if I feel pressed and like, can't get the two, I like, I'm like, I can't write today. And I think that's a mistake because like you said, like you don't see any forward progress. And so I'm very curious about this sort of like, I know that you can do the writing sprints, right? And so I Uh guess, does this qualify? Is that what it is? It just sort of feels like a sprint. Yeah, it does feel like a sprint. And to help me with that, what I'll do is at the end of a writing session, I'll make myself write for just like 10 extra more seconds. Like I'll write one sentence that just quick tells me where I was going with things so that I don't have to spend, you know, the first five minutes rereading the last page or so that I wrote to get back into the (laughs) flow of things. I can just see this is what my intention, this was where I was going next. And I can take right off from there without having to do so much rereading. So do you plot ahead of time? Because I'm just kind of curious if this works better for plotters or if it can work for pantsers too. God, I wish I could plot ahead of time. Oh, yay! (laughs) I wish. I so desperately want to be a plotter and I am just not. Uh, I've tried. I tried really hard. And um, uh, for a proposal that I submitted to my publisher, you write uh, the first three chapters and then chapter summaries for the rest of the book to submit the proposal. And I swear to you, I think it took me longer to write those chapter summaries and synopsis than it would have taken me to just draft the actual book because it was just so hard for me to try to outline. I just, my brain does not work that way. I'm the same way. And I'm really trying to outline the, the book that I'm working on now because I'm feeling a little bit stuck with the story. Like I'm like, I have the premise and now I'm like, 
oh, I don't know where to go with this. And so, and so I'm like, okay, I think it's time that you outline. And that, it just sucks. It does. I just want to write. Yeah. Exactly. I feel your pain. I just want to write the damn thing. <laughs> but I do love the idea of 15 minutes. And I'm sort of encouraged that you said it took you because it just it's, for me it's like oh if i just do 15 minutes here or there i'm never going to get the book written that way but you did get the book written that way i did and i still did do the longer sections too i would still have cuz most of the time i write at night after my kids are in bed um so i would still do hour two long sessions at night when i could and when my brain was feeling up to it after right. they were in bed but adding that 15 minutes on a lunch break or 15 minutes if i got the kids to school a little bit earlier that day and had time before work, um, it really helped speed up the process for me. That's really cool. And that's really good to know. And I think I'm going to try that because I'm just going into like a really busy, like day job time. And I'm mm-hmm. start and I'm and I know, like, I'm not back in my rhythm. I'm not on my schedule. I'm not writing as fast as I should. And it's beginning to sort of really weigh on me. So I think I'm going to try this 15 minutes. Absolutely. Give it a go. <laughs> Um, okay, so you mentioned Sophie Kinsella, and um, I read her shopaholic because she's got two shopaholics, I think, Confessions, and then a second one. I think there's a whole bunch of them. Like, uh, yeah, and I loved it, but I can't remember. Was that that was close? That wasn't really steamy, right? No, or her book have... all clean. Her, yeah, clean. Her, okay, her, her books are all open door. Okay, I mean closed door. Sorry. Okay, because because I, I was like, I can't remember if if she had the steamy scenes in it or not. Um, so when you wrote, okay, let me, let let me go with, to get to the other side, was that your first romance? It was the second one that I drafted. Um, so the first one I drafted, it got me my agent. Um, but when we were sending it on submission to publishers, we were getting very consistent feedback on it and it was just not something it was all valid and I 100% agreed with it it just wasn't something that I felt like I could fix and I knew that to get to the other side um was in a place where we were almost ready with it and mm-hmm. I was just so much more confident in it I knew it was the better book that I made the decision with my agent to pull back that first manuscript and instead finish getting to get to the other side ready so we could send that out but um yeah it's my second manuscript okay so um do you mind are you comfortable talking about like what happened with that first manuscript that you felt like it didn't sell? Yeah, I think it was the feedback that we were consistently getting was that the writing was was solid, the voice was great, um, but that it did not have enough of a plot to stand out as a debut. And I don't disagree with that. I think that's a very accurate assessment, but missing a plot is not exactly an easy fix. That's kind of a total rewrite. So um, it's something that maybe I'll address and go back to um, in the future because there's a lot of good pieces to it that I really love. Um, Or maybe I'll just take those bits and pieces and use them in another book down the line. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I feel like nothing is ever shelved forever. So we'll see where that goes. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's the great part about having like a little bit of a backlist that hasn't seen the light of day is you can rework it, pull from it, move things around. Like that's like really some great stuff that you can actually do with with the things that you think are just like, oh, nothing's going to go anywhere with that. But actually, like, it will, you know, like sometimes characters I've crafted for other projects that I've never really worked, you know, never really went anywhere. I'll, I'll be like, well, 
let me pop them in this book because that could be fun, you know? Yeah, sometimes there's another good fit for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So with the first book, um, did you write steamy scenes in there or were, were, were you closed the door? What was that like for you? For the so romance? at this point, I have drafted fully five, five, I think five manuscripts. Um, and I think each one has gotten progressively more open door. So (laughs) it started off totally closed. And I think as I've gained comfort with it, um, I've just opened that door a bit more with each book. Um, and I think some of that has to do with the reading as well, because I started off reading all of Sophie Kinsella's and all of those were closed door. And then um, I've started reading more and more open door books as well. So I've kind of um, gradually opened that door as I've gotten more comfortable. And there's other reasons that I think open door scenes are really important and I want to include them in my works. So moving forward, I would anticipate most of my work being open door. So, um, well, I guess a two part question, um, but I'll start <laughs> with what, uh, why do you feel like they're important? Sure. Um, so I think that with everything that is going on today without getting too political, um, I feel like it's really important that women maintain their sense of sexual freedom and independence. And so I think romance is something that can help do that. Uh, when a character is vocal about what they need in the bedroom, I'm like, yes, that right there. Because I feel like so many women don't inherently know that, hey, it's okay for you to speak up for yourself about what you want and what you need. Um, in the bedroom and that you know, sex is still a really uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. And I love that romance has an opportunity to help bridge that gap and make it a more comfortable topic. And I feel like romances can also be a teaching tool. I love that I'm seeing um, in books recently, I'm seeing more of a stress on there being enthusiastic verbal consent in books. I think that's super important. And I'm also seeing um, more on the page conversations about STI testing and use of protection and um, all of that. So I think it goes a long way towards normalizing those conversations in life when you're reading them again and again. It makes you more comfortable to talk about those things in person. So I think that they can really help function as a means of sex education and just normalizing conversations in general. I love it. And um, I completely agree. And I also think that it can, um, you know, I think anytime that we can celebrate women's pleasure, I think that is so such an important thing to do because too many times we're just sort of like, you know, treated like vessels, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like men can enjoy sex. Women have to bear the burden of like, you know, unwanted pregnancy or, you know, like it's, it just seems like the, like there is no, there's pleasure is not allowed for women. And if we do have that pleasure, it always comes with some sort of punishment. Absolutely. And not the fun kind. And, you know, so like, Mm -hmm. so, so to see women have unapologetically fun, pleasurable sexual moments is like, I don't know. It's such a radical notion. It is. And it shouldn't be, but I, yeah, that's, that's why be. I think it is so important to include those in books and why I think I will be 
trending towards having that open door. Yay. So, but, <laughs> but what 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 made you uncomfortable to start with? Like how like you know, I love that you kind of like eased into it, right? Like you're like, let me try this and let me go a little further, a little further, a little further. And I'm sort of wondering what was the whole what was holding you back to start? Um I don't know. I think I when I say that it's an uncomfortable topic for many, I I feel like just a few years ago it was an uncomfortable topic for me. But the more and more I read um, with other books that have open door, the more and more comfortable I get with it myself and get with having those conversations and and all of that. So I think that's how it became important to me is that I've seen how important it has been with uh, bringing that level of comfort for myself. It'll help bring that comfort level to others at least that's the hope there um so that's yeah so for um for book five right because you said you have five manuscripts and I'm sort of curious for book five like how far along are we (laughs) (laughs) so um definitely I still want to be in the rom-com genre and not quite moving into erotica just because I kind of want that consistency in genre. Um, so I'm not quite crossing that line, but definitely open door scene or scenes, depending on the book and what feels right for the book, how many scenes there are, um, and using that more explicit language throughout the scenes, um, stuff like that. And I've, I should say I've written five manuscripts, but of course one is the one that didn't sell. I have two solds currently, and then I have two others that I'm working on, um, kind of getting ready for submission, but aren't actually out on their way to publishers or anything like that yet. So. Okay. Cause that is, um, to get to the other side, which is coming out in December. Correct. And then your second book is let's get quizzical, which mm-hmm. sounds like a hoot. I mean, they both, they, they're both, like sound like absolutely hilarious and and I I did you sell them together as a package deal or did you sell one and then get get the deal for the second one uh no two separate deals so we sold them about a year apart from each other and um let's get quizzical I had drafted um I probably had it drafted by the time that the first one sold but we only sold to get to the other side in a single book deal and then over the next year I worked on getting let's get quizzical more editor eyes friendly um I guess we can say and then ended up selling it in another one book deal a year later that's really excellent. Did you ever imagine that you would sell? That's so cool. No, I didn't. I, I mean, I, I hoped, but you you never know. And um, I know a lot of people who have just been, um, who are just incredibly talented and have been grinding at this for years and, and still not managed to get where I'm at. So I think a lot of it comes down to luck um, mm-hmm. in addition to, of course, perse- perseverance and working hard and, and learning the ropes so that you have an idea what you're doing. So very grateful to be where I'm at, but getting that phone call was definitely a fun, fun moment, fun day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I know, you know, self-publishing is sort of, you know, especially with romance, that's what most writers do. So I think, you know, when you do go to get that trad deal, like, I don't know, I just, I just always find that really kind of fascinating. Like, why did you decide to do the trad deal? as opposed to doing it yourself? Um, I just, uh, for me, 
the dream was very tied closely to, I want to be able to walk into a bookstore and see my book. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's a a much harder thing to do when you go, um, with indie publishing and there's nothing wrong with indie publishing. I have lots of indie, uh, authors that I absolutely love and have put out some phenomenal work, but I just felt like the traditional route, at least to begin with was the way to go for me. Gotcha. All right, so with so to get to the other side is closed door. Yes. Well, let's get quizzical. That is not, or is that sort like you're towing the door open? Like I'm just sort of curious, like in terms of like the evolution of your steamy your steamy scenes. Yeah, sure. So to get to the other side, um, it actually did start out as closed door, but with a lot of sexual tension. Um, oh. So. That first, that first book, there was, you know, some crude humor in it, that first manuscript, but um, not a ton of sexual tension, not like a whole lot of language in there. Um, but then with To Get to the Other Side, there is there was a ton of sexual tension. And I think it was maybe because I knew deep down that I really wanted to open that door, but I wasn't quite ready to do it. So I was like as close as I could to opening that door without quite getting there. And uh, at the time, my publisher wasn't putting out um, open door scenes in their books either. So um, we ended up scaling it back a little bit and taking out um, some of the physical reactions that they had to each other in different moments and toning back the language a bit, but there still is a lot of that tension in there and a lot of the, um, I don't know, that kind of language that you don't typically see. So I feel like it's it still is closer to being an open door book without quite making its way there. Um, right, right. And then with Let's Get Quizzical, granted, um, I don't know what the finished product is going to look like because it's not coming out until fall of 2023. So it hasn't gone through the edit process with my publisher yet. So who knows what the final product will look like. Um, but it does have an open door scene and my publisher has since, uh, you know, started putting out books with open door scenes. And that was one of the conversations that we had when we were talking about signing a contract for this second book was that I really wanted it to be open door and I wanted to be able to keep that scene in there and they were fine with that. So I'm fairly confident that it will end up in the final product having that open door scene um, in there. What was that like for you to write since it was your first one? Freeing. Um, Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Usually everyone's like, it was agony, but I got through it, you know, and I love that you're like, it was freedom. Yeah, it was, I mean, like a little bit of awkwardness to it, of course, as well. But it was also kind of like, yes, I think especially because I'd come so close to writing that with the first one that like, finally going over that line felt good to do. Um, But I will say I do prefer prefer to be a wee bit tipsy when I write my, uh, (laughs) when I write my open door scenes. Yes, it just kind of takes that filter off a little bit. And they definitely come out spicier. The word vibration is involved. <laughs> See, this is where that doesn't work for me anymore because, like, I used to write at night like you, and then I changed my schedule so that I write first thing in the morning. My brain <laughs> yeah, you can't be doing better. shots at 5 a.m. <laughs> Could you imagine? It's like just me and my wine glass at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that would be a problem. <laughs> I think I don't know. 
I don't know how that would work out. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you, so you're writing your first one and you're like, okay, this is freedom. Did, did, was there anything that did, did it just flow or did something slow you down? Did have writing it have like, did, did you feel like you were slowed down a bit because you were trying to sort of figure out, okay, how do I get out of my head, my own head to write this scene? Yeah. Um, I think there was still a little bit of a block in there because it was the first time I'd written one and there's still a little bit of that discomfort. Mm. And it's like, well, which word for certain parts should I be using? Does that sound too cringe? Does that sound um, too much like I should not be writing this kind of scene? Or um, So finding that balance was a little bit tough. And I think with, uh, with one of the ones that I'm drafting now, I noticed that when I was just reading through it, recently and doing an edit, I noticed that I definitely used a lot more of the vulgar terminology with uh, the open door scenes in that one. I was like, oh, wow, I really went for it here. So, <laughs> I, so I, I can I can see myself getting more comfortable with each manuscript. It's yeah. kind of an interesting progression to watch. Yeah. You know, the words are hard. That I do think I struck because I don't want, you know, first of all, nobody wants to write throbbing member like nobody. Right. Um, and, and, you know, but you're just kind of like emojis, just the eggplant emoji is just so great. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I'm like, I would love to write with an emoji because yeah. after a while, like how, what, what can I call this? Mm-hmm. What word can I use that's, that hasn't been overused that matches the moment that, because sometimes you maybe want to tone down the vulgarity, even if the scene is super steamy. Right. right. Yeah. You don't want it to come as such a shock. And something that I'm learning through the reviews on my first book, unfortunately, (laughs) um, are that you have to make sure that the language that you're using really fits the tone of the rest of the book. So if you have a closed door book, maybe you shouldn't be using such explicit language throughout (laughs) because that that leaves a bit of a... um, a, a letdown because people have are set up for a certain expectation of um, a book going one way and then it goes another. So I think you have to make sure that the language you're using in those scenes fits the tone of the rest of the book. Whoa, okay, wait. So you're I'm assuming some early reviews are trickling in from the arc reader and you're saying that there were some reviews that were sort of saying like they were the, the language they made them misinterpret what the book was. I mean, I think it's just that, um, and I think this is a very valid point, um, that as they're reading, because I use some stronger language throughout, um, and we have a lot of that tension throughout, it kind of sets an expectation that it is going to be open door. So then it has a tendency to feel a bit more like a letdown when that door does not end up opening up in in that case. So, you know, hindsight 2020, if I could go back, that is probably one thing that I would change is to tone down the language a little bit to match the fact that it is closed door. Huh. Okay. That's really, that's super interesting. Do you, do you know Samantha Chase's work? I do not. Oh, she's awesome. And she was one of an an early guest. I actually need to have her back on because she was so super fun to talk to. She writes closed door Mm -hmm. and, um, 
and she's hilarious because she's like, I just can't write open door. Um, (laughs) I just can't do it. But when you read her stuff, like it is super, super steamy. And she takes you right to the edge and then closes the door. And the readers love it. Hmm. The readers absolutely love it. I would take a look at her stuff. I mean... (laughs) You know, um, just, just, you know, to, to just take a look because she is writing like the super, like I, when my, my expectation, when I was reading her, her book and the scene that she sent me for the first time, I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to be not steamy at all. And then I read it and I was like, Jesus, this is really, this is really <laughs> like, like it was really steamy. Like it really went, she really was sort of dancing on that line. Yeah, and I thought that that was super interesting, um, you know, because I, I've often heard like you people either want the open door, or they don't want the open door. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is a, a happy medium in there right now that people are starting to gravitate towards. Like, um, are you on TikTok? I am. Okay. Have you heard about? I, I only noticed it. Maybe it's a thing, but I only noticed it on TikTok recently. Medium spice. Yeah. I mean, I think TikTok, I, that is. But- <laughs> I, I think every person on there has their own rating scale for what spicy means. Yeah. Um, I, I think you would find a very wide range in the definitions of spicy <laughs> on there. So it very much depends on the person. And when you say medium, I mean, to some people, medium is open door and and that's about it. And then to some people, medium is some pretty heavy stuff. Um, So I think it just really depends a lot on the person, but I I could see that there absolutely is, you know, a call for, for a middle of the road. Um, That, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just was like sort of fascinated by it because I was like, what is medium spice? And I was like, does Samantha write medium spice or would that not be like spice light? Like, where, like, what is this medium spice business? So I was like, just kind of like, well, maybe it's like the closed door, but a little bit more graphic on the way to the bedroom. Yeah. I've seen people on their Instagram, like on their profile, they have like what their rating scale means or something. Oh, that's actually really useful. Yeah, that that is handy. (laughs) That is really, really useful. I wish I could think offhand of somebody who does it but I can't. Okay. Moment. <laughs> I've been kind of like slightly TikTok, TikTok obsessed because I'm yeah. having a terrible time with it. So I'm, I'm curious. It's uh, easy to get pulled it? in. Are you on, like, do you do the videos and stuff like that? Are you? I do. I have. So I, for a long time was like, I'm not doing TikTok. I'm not learning another platform. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then I joined it and then I got like totally obsessed with it <laughs> and was, was posting a lot of content and, um, all of that. And lately I haven't had as much time for it. So I have two weekly series that I do on there. So lately my posts have pretty much just been those two weekly series and then an occasional promo post. Um, and I haven't been doing as many just for fun posts as I used to do. Um, but I would love to do more if time allowed for it. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy TikTok much more than, uh, other platforms. 
Really? Because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, I'm struggling on there. I'm dying a slow death. I'm just like, I, I just feel so awkward and weird. And I'm, I'm like, maybe I'm too old for this. Maybe that's the problem <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't understand what's going on. And I see everybody's like so natural. And I'm just like there with my resting bitch face, just being like, what? I don't know. It's just so awkward. I'm curious. What do you do for your series that you have on there? So, okay. So for me, I think the biggest difference between Instagram and TikTok is that Instagram is like, this is my beautiful, perfect thing. And TikTok is like, go ahead and be sloppy. We don't mind. Um, <laughs> Which I'm down for that. Cause yeah, Instagram pretty is like not me either, but I can't do, I don't know. TikTok is like, Oh yeah. I have this um, amazing skill for every time I go viral. It's like one of the videos where I'm in pajamas and I'm like, awesome. Great. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Couldn't have been one of the ones where I look nicer, but whatever. Um, it, I'll take it either way. Um, but the series that I do, so on most Tuesdays, whenever I have time for it, um, most Tuesdays I do my publishing Tuesday where I talk about um, mostly romances that are releasing that week. Sometimes I throw in another book oh. if something in particular catches my eye, but I kind of quickly sum up romances coming out that week. And then um, on Thursdays, I do Debut View, which is um, I work with other debut authors, mostly who I've found through the 2022 debut um, Slack group. Um, I will invite them onto my channel to share a little bit about their book, whether that's a quick, these are the tropes that I have in my book, or whether they're just talking about their book for a minute, or they're doing a um, like stitch challenge or something like that, um, that is relevant to their book. I invite other debut authors onto it. And I've been doing, uh, I've been doing Publishing Tuesday for about a year and a half and debut view for about a year. So I started that with some of the 2021 debuts and then continued it with 2022. Wow. This is really amazing. Like you, you're kind of playing the long game here. That's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I love that you started so early. I mean, I've been on TikTok for over a year and I'm just like, oh, I think it's been over a year. Oh no, maybe it's been less than a year. I can't even remember now when I joined, when I joined, but it like, there was like, just like this huge gap between like joining and then first post and then second post and, you know, and I just, uh -huh. you know, like, I'm still like, I was pretty good, like for like a week where <laughs> 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 I posted like every other day, but I kind of had a lot of stuff saved up in drafts and then I ran out and I was like, oh, no, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um. I, I, but I do love that you have this group, 22 Debuts. Um, I've gotten a number of people that I've interviewed for this podcast from that group. And it, how, did you, how did you find each other? Was this another Twitter call? It was. Wow. It was. I stumbled across it on Twitter. And I cannot recommend highly enough to any new author to find your debut group. There's one for every year. Uh, there was one for 2021. I know there's already one set up for 2023 and 2024. Um, absolutely join that group because the value that that group has brought uh, can I, I cannot speak highly enough to it because 
um, just being able to commiserate with other people who are going through the same things that you're going through and see other people going through it in some cases before you, or if you're like me and you're probably the last person or one of them, if not the last person to debut in the year, because I'm in December, um, getting to see a lot of people going through it and being able to learn from them has been incredible. Uh, there's been shared resources. So like we all, um, or anybody who's able to donated a little bit of money to it. And then we use those funds for like group giveaways. We bought a group Canva license so that we could have a professional Canva license that everybody has Whoa. access to. So there's tangible resources like that. Um, myself and a bunch of the other romance authors, that are in the group are working together on a bunch of group promos as well, where we're making sure that we're boosting each other's release days. But then we're also doing some fun, like game promotions where we had a jigsaw puzzle with all of our covers and um, like a, a matching memory game with all of our covers. And we're going to be doing a few more over the next couple months uh, with promotions like that. So um, just so many group promotions, so much commiseration, so many and things you just don't think about. Like, what brand of pen should I buy for signing books? There's been conversations about that. And how do I approach a bookstore if I want to set up, you know, doing my signed copies for them or doing an event with them? And it, it just, and then people sharing things like your podcast when, you know, somebody's looking for other authors, there's just been a lot of opportunities like that that have come up. So uh, the value of those is incredible. So much I have gotten from that group and I am so lucky to have found it. That's so cool. And I'm guessing like when, you know, January, 2023 rolls around, the calendar rolls over, the, the group doesn't go away. You stay right. together as kind of like, you know, on, on the author journey, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. We've got group or we've got channels in there for talking about future books um, so that we can have conversations about how things differ with future books versus your previous books. We've got lessons learned after publishing so that people can share, you know, some bullets of some of the things that they learned through their journey, um, stuff like that. And, you know, Goodreads channels and just everything that you can imagine. In terms of like what what you're writing, right? Are you got are you all rom com or is it across the spectrum? It's it's truly across the spectrum. So it's everybody. It's all age group, age categories, all genres, and then we have sub channels. With are you familiar with the way Slack is laid out? I am. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the main Slack group, but then we have channels for different genres and different age groups so that if you're posting something that's only relevant to a, a smaller group, or if you want to do something like the a, a more targeted um, promotion like we're doing with the romance group, that you can kind of address that in those smaller channels. This is amazing. Okay, so this is like every author, I mean, obviously not every author, but it, if you're writing thriller, you can be in 22 debuts. If you're writing pr police procedurals, you can be in 22, 22 debuts. Like, th this is like everything. Correct. We have a I very wide range. Just romance. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's great. And we've done you know, especially for those of us in the second half of the year who tend to get left off of most anticipated lists. Um, oh. <laughs> so we were, a few of us were getting kind of bummed out about that in the channel one day and they were like, well, screw it. Let's just make our own most anticipated list. So we, 
you know, it the way that this group comes together and people just like organize so quickly to get something like this in action. We immediately had a spreadsheet with a list of different ideas for different categories that we could do and people could add themselves to the list that they wanted to be on. And then people volunteered to put an article together about that list. And then we've got other volunteers who run the Twitter page and the Instagram page and built our website. And so there's just so many people who have put forth so much volunteer work that has really just created this synergy where it's it's just incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Okay, so I didn't know that there were all these like I'm going to have to go check this out because I'm fascinated by this cuz I absolutely love I absolutely love it when authors are supporting other other authors. I mean, that's why I do this podcast cuz this is like fun for me to talk to other authors and to support and give you an extra outlet cuz you know, I my day jobs in media and I like it's hard to right. break out in more mainstream outlets. You know, New York Times doesn't review romance books. They should, you know, but oh. they don't. It, they're very dismissive. Um, you know, so it's, and it's just increasingly hard to get any sort of media coverage. And so, you know, this is, that's why podcasts are amazing. And it's been great to sort of see other, you know, creators doing these things who are saying, hey, you know, this thing exists and, mm -hmm. and come on my show and let's promote each other and build each other up. And so I, I absolutely love the whole idea of this, of this group. Yeah, definitely check it out. 22debuts.com. Um, so it's just the two, two debuts.com. There's, you can search by author, you can search by book. There's, you can search by genre, age group. You can, I think we even have, um, I want to say that we might even have a trope search on there, but I could be oh my wrong God. that. Um, and then we've got a blog on there that has these most anticipated lists. So like the most recent post is 11 new books by neurodivergent authors. Um, so we've got all sorts of categories. Oh my God. So how many people in this group? I mean, I don't, I don't need a hard number, but like just approximate. Hundreds. It's a huge Wow. Group. Wow. That's great, though, because there's like strength in numbers right there, right? Like, and yeah. you can do these things like the most anticipated. And, and, you know, I love that you sort of said that the, you know, the writers with the books coming out towards the end of the year were not on the most anticipated yeah. list. Because I'm like, you know, goes to show you and, I, you know, it, it's not necessary. It can just be a time of year thing where people are just right. not noticing anything past July. Right, yeah. because when people post their most anticipated books of the year, they're posting those in like December and January. Well, at that point, a lot of the December people for this year hadn't even announced yet, let alone right. have cover reveals, have buy links up or anything like that. So they had just no shot of being on those lists. So Right, right. And so it's not, it's not anything that you did. It's just the way that it is. And I love that you addressed it proactively and said, well, if we couldn't be on those lists, we're going to create our own. I think that's awesome. And I love that proactive nature. That's, that makes me really excited. And I just looked it up and it's 436 members. Whoa, that's crazy. And there's been a whole bunch of authors, debut authors who have listed this year. So um, I'm proud of our group. We've, we've accomplished a lot. <laughs> that's awesome. Well done. Well done. It's also just nice to have somebody to talk to about shit, right? Like, yes, it is. You know, that's just, that's just what I love. So let's get to your intimate scene. Um, okay, this is from your debut, 
<laughs> to get to the other side, which I love this title. Um, I also love Let's Get Quizzical. Um, your titles are fantastic. Um, so what's, I guess let's start with what is this book about? So this book is about um, Trixie, who finds a chicken crossing the road one day in downtown Chicago, and um, presumably to get to the other side. Ha-ha. Um, that was actually inspired by a real-life situation. So um, I called up my friend Gretchen, who I used to go to high school with, and one day just to check up, say, hey, what's going on? And she said, well, I've got a pet chicken now. And I said, uh, come again? <laughs> she said, I've got a pet chicken now. And I said, but don't you live in an apartment in downtown Chicago? Yeah, like, how, does that, how do you do this? <laughs> and she's like, oh, and it also uses a wheelchair. And I said, you what? have a wheelchair using chicken in your apartment in downtown Chicago. And she's like, yeah, and I found it crossing the road. And I'm like, stop, you did not. Oh my and God. I just knew immediately, I was like, this belongs in a book. Can I use this? And she's like, absolutely. So from there, the story just kind of grew. And I'm like, I know she's actually living in this apartment with a chicken, but that just seems so unrealistic to me, even though I know it's actually happening. That um, <laughs> I can imagine the reviews. This right. would never happen. Well, I, I think those as it is. I tried to make it more realistic, and I still get those comments. Oh my! <laughs> Meanwhile, in Chicago, there's a woman yeah. living with a chicken in a wheelchair. <laughs> exactly. So I I changed it. So I I thought you know okay. So how can I make her housing situation more realistic? Well, maybe that's what it is. Is that's her her like you know ticking time time bomb um, that, you know, helps bring momentum to a book is that she's got to move out within a week. Her landlord is like, nope, no pets allowed. You got to move. And she's like, no, I'm keeping the chicken. So she has to find a new place to live. So um, she stumbles across an ad that Bear, who is the hero in the story, his meddling sisters put this ad out in the newspaper mm. for a um, his spare room without his knowledge because they just feel he really needs to put himself out there more. Um, He's an introvert. <laughs> yes, he is. He's an extreme introvert and they're going to fix that for him. So she responds to this ad and they end up living together. So it's a forks proximity roommates to lovers um romance where they are co-parenting this chicken and getting up to all sorts of money making shenanigans to try to pay for rising bet bills and all that kind of fun oh my god that's hilarious um so we've got this is grumpy sunshine i'm guessing is one of the tropes correct correct because bear's a little bear's a bear don't he poke is. the bear bear yes. is a little grumpy it in a way though right like because not really yeah, he's um, he comes off with that gruff exterior, but he's a total teddy bear on the right. inside. Right. So, um, set up this scene. What what has happened here right before? Where are we in the book? So this is a picnic scene, um, and essentially they're just kind of getting to know each other, and they haven't really they're still kind of fighting that connection that they have between them um, still are kind of set on keeping things platonic, but are getting to the point where that is not super realistic for them anymore. So they're kind of like right towards the edge of their breaking point there. 
Okay. Um, had they kissed? I, I I can't remember now if if there was had they kissed yet, or was it just that the tension was so strong that they knew that there was something between them? It, it's just that tension. They have That's not kissed at this point. So we are in Bear's point of view, and your dual point of view, correct? Or, or yes, yes. Okay. Mostly alternating chapters. I think there's a couple where it's a back to back, but. It, mostly alternates chapters. Okay, cool. So we are in Bear's point of view at this picnic. Um, okay. The three of us out for a picnic, the three of us is the chicken too. So it's, yes. I just want to say. You gotta have Chick Chick there. It's, it's Bear, it's Trixie, and it is Chick Chick. So the three of us, the three is, the, the third is the chicken. Okay. The three of us out for a picnic at the park felt like such a family thing to do. When we hung around the house, as much as we were spending time together, it was easier to brush it off as a roommate thing. Getting out in the world, us and her feather baby that felt as much as mine now as hers, hadn't concerned me when I'd suggested it, but now I worried it was a mistake. I could feel the ridges of her back tensing against mine. I'd, I'd inadvertently pushed us into a gigantic leap forward I hadn't anticipated. And if I was reading her correctly, we were both beginning to freak out about it. I kind of love that. There, there was like some, in, there was intimacy here, even though there was like nothing really sexual about it with the exception of they're sitting back to back, kind of holding each other up and right. he just feels her back tense, mm-hmm. you know? And so I kind of really liked how th- th- this felt like such an intimate moment but there was absolutely nothing going on between them right it's amazing how just the subtlest things can feel so intense (laughs) yeah exactly exactly because it was just that the fact that he noticed her back tensing and the fact that he felt it and the fact that he was thinking about it and and the fact that he interpreted it as this sort of like you know, that she right. is interpreting it the way he's interpreting it. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was really kind of well done. Right. They can reach, they've reached this point in their relationship, which is still a friendship at this point where they can kind of read each other's minds and he knows what she's thinking just from her physical reactions. Right. Right. Okay. So I'm going to jump down a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going from where I am because it makes more sense. Um, Fawn stopped by when I stopped. Fawn stopped by when I stopped home on lunch. She mentioned now. Now Fawn is his sister. Yes. I breathed easier. My family was a conversation topic I could usually handle. That's nothing new. She stops by like twice a week. Yeah, but you won't like this one. I frowned, already knowing they'd taken liberties with my generosity and letting them use my stuff all the time. Would she borrow? You sure you want to know? She asked. Maybe better if you didn't know. And and I should cook breakfast tomorrow. Well, that was a mistake. That was a statement that was going to be hard to respond generously to. She'd attempted to make she'd attempted to take over more of the weekend breakfast cooking while I was keeping off my ankle. Her gloopy pancake puddles had been less than impressive. What did she take and what does it have to do with breakfast? I asked. A dog barked at the far end, on the far end of the park. A distant siren blared, but no sound came from Trixie. Damn, it must be real bad, really bad. It, must, it really must be bad. Trixie, I scooted away to look at her, forgetting she was leaning against me. She toppled backwards onto the blanket with a yelp. 
I chuckled and leaned over, looking down at her sprawled under me like that brought back too many memories of our single night of ecstasy. The reminiscent position acted as a conduit for the ever-present chemistry between us. Trixie's lips parted and her pupils dilated. Her breath hitched, pressing her breasts against my chest. I let out a rumbling growl. I know that look. A blush tinged her cheeks and her shoulders lifted in a small acknowledging shrug. I positioned myself over her, my knees on either side of her hips, and my arms propped about her shoulders as if I were about to do a push-up. My need for her was an ache that ran bone deep. I wanted her. I wanted her. But she didn't want me. She wanted to stay platonic roommates and friends. Mom was sure she would come around, but I don't know. I didn't know how much of this I could take. I bent lower. Her face was so close to mine that if she lifted her head against that if she lifted her head the slightest bit, our lips would come together. Her hips rose to meet mine, brushing against me. She sucked in a sudden breath and her hips pulled away from mine, back to the ground. What comes next? I asked. Balls in your court. It's a public park, she whispered. It was deserted, but that could change quickly and neither of us could afford a ticket, but I wasn't worried about that. I could have you home and in either of our beds in a manner of minutes. Oh, 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 oh my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is there is tension. There is. <laughs> There's a lot of tension. And if you can believe it, there was, um, you know, more explicitness to that in the original draft. We definitely had a, a hard on going on in there that she could definitely feel, but we decided to scale it back a little bit again, trying to even out that language um, to make it more fitting with the fact that it is closed door. Huh. That's super interesting. And I was wondering if this was like, maybe like the, one of the scenes that some of the reviewers were like, I was expecting it to be open door. Cause you know, because it is chopped yeah. down for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a little bit, but I mean, honestly, like Samantha had, Samantha was a little bit more graphic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, so there's definitely, you know, not, it's definitely not very graphic to me anyway. Yeah. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> not, <laughs> after, not after the revision. <laughs> I mean, I guess like, is it, is it language choice? And, you know, cause I'm, I, that's, I guess that's the thing that sort of like makes me go, well, how do you know when it's, when it's too much? Like you can't like, the, like for a close, for something that's not spicy, like you can't even discuss a hard on, like, is that like, you just can't. I mean, I don't think it's a hard and fast rule. I think it, you know, as you're reading through it, it's kind of more, how does it feel to you as the reader? And does it feel like you're going in a certain direction? And is it going to be like a letdown when you get there? Um, so I, I don't, I don't know that you can put it into such a hard and fast rule like that, but, um, in just going through, we kind of felt like it needed to be toned down to, to match that. So we did take out some of that more explicit language. Wow. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Cause I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know. It, it doesn't, it's, it's closed door to like for sure. But I don't, I don't know. I guess I like, I don't know. Maybe it's medium spice and I like medium spice. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Medium is just the right flavor. <laughs> medium is just the right. Um, okay. And keep going. Tell me what you want, Trixie. I, I don't know. She breathed and I'm not the only one here. 
I laughed disbelievingly into the ground. In case it wasn't clear, I want you. My heart broke with each passing second. She didn't reciprocate. Just sex, she finally asked. Disappointment, incredulity, frustration, anger. The emotions whipped around me like balls in a bingo cage. I lifted my head up and looked her in the eye. No, I'm beyond that point with you. I want more. I want to call you my girlfriend, and I think you want that too, whether you're able to admit it to yourself or not. Her lips moved as if trying to formulate a response and failing. She glanced away, and I knew I'd lost her, at least for the moment. Her eyes darted, wheels were turning, looking for a subject change. I lifted myself off of her. She took your favorite spatula, she said. Ooh! Oh, poor bear. (laughs) Like he just admitted things. He He just admitted things and she just blew him off. Right. And he's such a closed off person to begin with that to make that kind of um, declaration is, is a tough thing for him to do. So it is really hard for him to hear that in that moment. I mean, you know, I just was so like, oh my God, he just, he just admitted this and, you know, and, and this is a big deal. And she just like slammed it, like just pushed him away without even, oh, I felt so bad for him. And, you know, and, and so it's kind of curious, like what, you don't have to answer this because it could be a big old spoiler, but Mm -hmm. what's keeping her away from him? Uh, she's got a lot of issues in her backstory, um, but she's very emotionally closed off because she um, used to be kind of like a, a dancer and on that kind of um, circuit where she was all smiles and her parents were kind of um, abusive in the in the sense that they kind of forced her to go to um, these great lengths to achieve success as a dancer and kind of force her into always smiling at home and nobody can ever see her with a frown. And so she just becomes convinced of this lie that she always has to have a smile on her face and that um, smiles get you where you want to go and showing any kind of other emotion is just not okay. And um, she's had experiences all throughout her life that have reinforced that belief to her. So she just feels like she cannot display any emotion that isn't her true emotion. And in the scenario that she's in where she's dependent on him for a place to live because she's moved in with him. Um, She has to be very careful because she does not have that outlet anymore of another place that she can go when she needs to release those emotions because where she used to be able to do that at home, he's with her at home. So she has no sense of privacy, no sense of being able to open up. And she's afraid that the moment she shows him anything other than happiness, she'll lose him. Um, so that's, that's kind of her fear that hers, her afraid of opening up to him, of getting closer to him, um, and, and kind of putting everything at risk. And I feel like this was a big step for him, Mm -hmm. like admitting this, like that, that, that kind of, I feel like was also a big step. And for her reaction to be like that, I'm sort of wondering how is Bear going to pick up the pieces? Read and find out. I know. (laughs) Although like right after this, we have like a little, the meddling sisters come in. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which, which was absolutely hilarious in this whole spatula setup because, you know, 
um, I, it, that rang so so true. Like we all have that favorite spatula. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I actually did have my own favorite spatula get stolen from my house once, and I was no not way. happy about it. Yeah, I was really <laughs> mad. Um, but yeah, like it was a thing that really happened. So you know, take that anybody who says that that doesn't ring true. <laughs> <laughs> Because it did. It totally did. And I was like, oh, my God, he loses his like pride and his spatula in the same day. Exactly. We're just really beating him down here. This poor guy. Yeah, Absolutely poor, poor guy. Um, so this was a super fun peek at, an, at this new book that isn't Thank even you. out yet. Well, hopefully it will be by the time this rolls out um, <laughs> or, or we'll be closer to it. Um, but this was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. So where, um, where's the best place to find you on the internet? Uh, I am on just about every social media network you got. I am at Kelly Olert, O-H-L-E-R-T on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. I have a reader group on Facebook. I think it's called the Kelly Olert Reader Group. And um, my website, www.kellyolert.com. Excellent. And I will have links to all of that in the show notes. So if you're driving, you don't have to get in an accident. Um, (laughs) Please don't get in an accident. Please don't get in an accident. Um, Kelly, thank you so much for being here. It was really fun having you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. That was super fun. Next time, Sandra Young is on the steam seat, so don't forget to follow in your favorite podcast app and never miss an episode. Until next time.